I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello! It's a new week. Thank you for tuning in to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. It's so great to have you back. So a few weeks ago, I had an episode all about my back issues with Miss Brandy Dant, and a lot of messages came my way asking for more of that story. And so I am going to chat a little bit about my spinal history and just kind of a little bit more of that story for you. Um, I didn't know that everyone was really interested in it. So typically uh, with back issues, you know, it's never a fun thing to have, right? It's just back pain is the worst. And I have never suffered any type of major injury uh, playing sports growing up. I had never broken a bone. I haven't even had the chicken pox. So I was a very healthy kid, very active and had big, big goals. I was always playing soccer. I danced. I played violin. I was a good student. I was that kid. And I also had perfect attendance from kindergarten to senior year. Uh, never missed a day other than for, you know, an excused absence when it came to a Jewish holiday or, um, a sporting event. Right. So I typically just had like a very lucky streak, I guess, and not having to be sick or injured. I mean, I had a couple of bumps and bruises, right. As playing any competitive sport. So I wanted to pursue soccer in college. I love the sport. It was my favorite thing. I played on several teams all at once, very competitively. And I was pretty good. Actually, it was not a bad, not a bad player. And I was able to have the opportunity to go and play for university of Tampa, which is a big deal because I lived in Houston and I wanted to explore options. I wanted the option to be a starter. I didn't want to go to a big, big school where I wouldn't see a game maybe until, you know, junior or senior year. And that was never guaranteed. And I also just didn't want to go in and play for five minutes and then get out. Like I loved playing and I had the opportunity to go out and play for them. It was a division two school, smaller school. And I was going in as a walk-on. I didn't want the, I didn't want to take a scholarship because I was too afraid if I were to ever get injured, I would lose out on that money. And it was a private school. And I tried to do my funding through, um, scholarships, for academics, which I was fortunate to get. So when I went out to school, I got to go out to Tampa two weeks before and do preseason, which is, you know, you train with the potential team, you do two to three a day workouts, you do weightlifting, you do the trainers, and we got to go on campus before school started. So I was super excited. I loved the sport. And so we got into training. We were doing the, doing the do the deal. Uh, it was a two week deal. And I think about, I don't know, 
a week in, it was intense training that I wasn't used to. Now I was always having soccer practices and dance classes. And I was on four soccer teams at my senior year of high school. I played select, which is a travel team for some. I played high school ball. I played indoor. I played rec, which I wasn't supposed to, but I totally did. I liked playing with a mixed uh, co-ed team. It was a lot of fun. And so I was always playing, but I think with the college level, it just pushed me and my body just way further. I didn't really weight lift and weight train before. And when you're training at that level three times a day, sometimes four plus the training over the summer to get where I needed to be for my times and my sprints, I might've just, I think taken a toll because I was training with two of my very good friends that were uh, leaving for college to go play football. So I was always training with them to stay in shape over the summer. So I'd be ready. So one day at practice, I just, I think I, I pulled my groin, which, you know, is never fun and super painful. And usually um, doesn't take long if it's a minor pull. And so I had to sit out a day or two while I was at practice and was feeling good. And when I say mispractice, like a day or two of practice, but that's like six practices, right? Because you're doing weights and sprints and team and offense, defense, all those things when you're in college. And again, school has not even started yet. The campus is empty other than the sports teams that are there before. Well, when I got to go back, I eased back in, but all of a sudden I had this like terrible, terrible pain shooting down my right leg. It and bad back pain. And I was so confused. I was saying to myself, I haven't weight lifted or weight trained. So I couldn't have picked up a heavier weight. We really weren't doing heavy weights. It was more quick feet and, you know, fast twitch muscles. I was really confused and I had just taken two days off to rest. So I really was like, how is this happening? And I trained a couple more days and it was still so bad. And when it came to the end of the two weeks, I basically couldn't play. I, I was in so much pain. I couldn't run. I couldn't go even close to where I was before over a matter of a few days. And it had nothing to do with my groin muscle. And I was in the best shape I could have been because I had been training all summer. And it was devastating to me. It was just, I came out to Florida. I went to go play soccer to go play. And now I'm looking at staying in Florida away from my family and not even going to get to do what I wanted to do. Needless to say, I didn't end up getting to play on the team. And it was also sad because all of my classes were around their schedule. So all of my classes had my teammates or former teammates at this point. So when they had, you know, classes, um, with me and they had a game and they were never there. It was super heartbreaking for me, but I was so confused. And so I called my parents, tell them that I'm not going to get to play and I need to go to the doctor because I, they wouldn't do an x-ray. They were like, just wait until you go home. So when I went home for Thanksgiving, I went and we found a doctor, I guess we got a referral from somebody and they took an x-ray. And they said, well, yeah, you've got some fractures and you have a slip vertebrae and you have what's called spondylolisthesis. It's um, slip vertebrae. 
in some stress fractures and what makes it a spondy s-p-o-n-d-y there's spondylolysis there's spondylolisthesis there's a lot of different ones but this one specifically was because i had a scotty dog fracture which is two stress fractures maybe three and if you look at the x-ray it looks like a scotty dog it's got two little ears and a little collar which is the other fracture that makes that and of course we were like how did this happen i've never felt back pain before i've never had a major injury and they said it's genetic and it was very very confusing to me on how it could be a genetic condition because we would think that it would have come on earlier i was a, i'm a very petite person i didn't weigh a lot so i guess i never really had an opportunity to notice it so maybe i did something maybe it was the uh, level of which i was playing at in college where i just pushed my body to a point where then it exacerbated it and it came out we're really not really sure and most people that have these types of injuries are football players gymnasts i did gymnastics for a very short time when i was younger couldn't have been that and i don't play football so it was really very confusing also to the doctor not really understanding how i had such a pretty pretty big injury and in, at the point where it was and i was 18 and we said and decided that i was going to try to take some painkillers try to get by and make it through summer and do some chiropractics. I did some chiropractics that was not fun for me at all. Uh, they did the Thompson technique, which is a drop, a hip drop. If you know what that is, they sit you in a chair and they pelvic drop the uh, part of that chair so they don't technically touch you and adjust you. And it was super painful. And so we went to the summer and so I could spend some time at home. And they had said that the only way to fix it was through surgery or possibly a an injection like a steroid injection so of course we go the non-invasive route i'm 18 now 19 and who wants to get cut open um so we went to the doctor to get a an injection done they put me out for this one i don't think they do it this way anymore but the one that i had back in 2004 they have me apparently on the table ready to do the injection and the doctor that was doing it was asking for my x-rays and of course i'm i'm knocked out sleeping and the nurse or assistant had said well these are hers and he said no i need this is an, a 19 year old woman i need i need hers this these x-rays are for a 40 year old man and they corrected him and said no those are her x-rays and he said well i don't know what she's doing on my table because this won't do anything for her she needs surgery and of course i don't know any of this till later they tell my mom which is my mom is a worrywart and they say give it you know three to ten days for any type of um results from a steroid injection so i'm sitting there recovering from this sh shot that they end up giving me anyway and waiting and disappointed at day 10. i was so disappointed no relief no nothing and i'm sore from the shot and then of course my mom tells me that that's what they told her but didn't want to tell me because they wanted to see if it really was going to work so of course we're looking at surgery so we go to our doctor we go and talk to him about it and they say yeah we're gonna have to do surgery terrifying 
but I wanted to do it sooner rather than later because I was only 19. I thought to myself, if I'm going to be able to heal quickly, it would be when I was young. And I don't want to do this when I'm older because I think my immune system wouldn't maybe be as great and maybe um, I wouldn't bounce back as fast. I mean, I was 19. So we go to the doctor, he explains the surgery saying, I'm going to have to have this fusion done um, where they fuse, uh, they go through the back, they basically pull the spine back into alignment and then screw it together. And they use either bone from your body to make it grow together to fuse. So it don't, doesn't move, or they'll use it from a bone bank uh, if you have a match. So going in, terrified, never had a major surgery other than when I was five, I had eye surgery when I was five for an eye muscle in my wisdom teeth. That's it. And we go in and I was expecting to come out with three incisions, one from the front where they have to go and put some arch, one from the back clearly to get the uh, equipment in, and then one on my side for getting the bone from my pelvis to use. So when I woke up, I first of all woke up with the tube still down my throat. I was not happy about that. Someone was not watching or whatnot, but I woke up, tube still down my throat, couldn't breathe and fighting the intubation. So that wasn't fun. Two, I only woke up with one incision, was super confused where the other two were. And they had said they had enough in the bone bank, which was good. So that was going to be very painful. So I got to elude that, but the incision in the front, he didn't want to cut me too much because I was only 19 and he didn't want to scar me. At the time I was very excited about that because I didn't want a scar on my stomach and all those things. And hindsight, of course, it's like, why would you not do it? If that's really what I needed, uh, it ended up doing me a disservice later. So I go home after three days, I have to start, you know, learn how to walk and go through the agony of this, of the surgery. And I had pretty much every complication on a man. Um, I had drop foot. It was extremely hard for me to walk. This is before they started testing if you're susceptible to staff. So of course, I'm susceptible to staff and didn't know it. So three weeks later, I actually get super duper sick. I can't, I'm, I'm throwing up everywhere. I can barely get up to get to the bathroom because I'm still, I can't bend, lift or twist for six months, which is terrible. And I get super sick to the point where they had to take me in and go look at, the doctor had to go look at it. And I was almost back to like walking-ish better. And at this point, I'm two weeks from going back to Florida for my sophomore year, thinking I was going to get fixed and I'm going to be good. And maybe I could go back and play, or at least I could maybe go do some intramural and, and work out and get active because the whole year I wasn't able to be active at all. And being active your whole life was extremely hard not to be able to do that. So we go into this. I'm still super sick. We go to the doctor. He, I don't know what he did. I think he touched it. It was in my incision and I just woke up on the floor. I passed out from, I'm assuming pain. And he said, oh, you need to go in for emergency surgery. You have an infection. They literally, we got home, they packed me a bag and I went in the next, that day, which was in, they scheduled me for the early morning. And I had what we now know is a MRSA staph infection 
but of course at the time we didn't know what it was because it wasn't discoverable yet. I guess MRSA wasn't a, um, out there. So they clean me out, they do the thing and I have to start all the way over again. And of course, at this point, I'm not the nicest person. I'm super upset. I'm super mad that I'm back at this hospital being, you know, I just wanted to go home and they were trying to grow what it was and try to grow what the infection was. They knew it was staph, but they didn't know what strain. So they didn't know which one to treat. And I was just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. So of course we're going into a weekend at this point on day three and they finally figure out what it is. And that's now Saturday. And they're like, we can send you home on a treatment. So at least you could go home, but the insurance, uh, you know, the insurance offices are closed. So we don't know if they cover it and it's a Saturday. So you can't go home until Monday. And I was so upset. I just wanted to leave. And my parents were like, you know what, we'll take the risk. I'm sure that it's covered. We'll wait till Monday and get the orders. So they end up having to put a midline in my arm, which also took 16 times. It took 16 tries to get this midline, which is an IV that goes into like my elbow, um, bigger vein. I have really good veins. I thought, I guess I don't, they tried 16 times. I looked like a heroin addict with just bruises everywhere and needle sticks all over my arms to the point where this woman got on top of me. I just had another back surgery. It just got opened up and she's sitting on top of me trying to get this needle in my arm. I was not happy. I was really upset. Almost bucked her off like a Bronco. I was like, get off. She finally got it in. I got to go home and I had to self-medicate uh, four times a day for two straight weeks and go see an infectious disease doctor. It was not fun. And I was on um, Ambien at the time because I couldn't sleep because of the pain. I had so much nerve pain. Then that started to make me hallucinate. It was not fun. I had a horrible, horrible recovery experience. I was able to get my midline out two days before I went back to school. I lost 30 pounds after my first surgery from being so sick. I went down from 130 pounds to a hundred pounds skeleton, like not even muscle mass because I was in really good shape. I had double zero pants falling off of me. It was awful. And so I go back to school. I luckily had my own room this year. So I didn't have to worry about more germs than you can already have in a dorm. But, you know, I had to do my physical therapy come Thanksgiving. I had to help, help like put my socks on because I couldn't lift my foot to put my own socks on, which is super fun asking a stranger that lives next door to you to put your socks on. Uh, but we got through it, right? Um, and it was just a big, big, big challenge to, to overcome. And I think what was so upsetting was that it didn't even fix the pain. I was still in so much pain pain because the doctor decided not to go through the front and put an arch in, uh, which then it gave me flat back. So I didn't even have the arch. It kind of put more pressure and it didn't really solve it. He should have fused me, um, with the level above as well, but because of my age, he didn't want to. And I understand that that's why he didn't do it, but it was, um, created a lot of pain for me later on in life. And so I just, PSA, if advocate for yourself. I mean, I was 19. I didn't know any better. Um, so fast forward to 2017. So from the time I had it from 2004 until 2017, I was in pain every day. 
I would be bedridden after maybe a hike or if we went on vacation, a plane ride or even a short car ride. I used to do business in Tampa and go to Orlando a lot. That drive, if I was in that car for an hour and a half and then had to come home, I was like done for a couple of days. My back just hurt so badly. I was getting that scaly skin on my back because I would heat. I just sit on a heating pad all day on high. Um, it was, it was terrible. And I went to different doctors here and there. I went and saw, and they were like, yeah, we can do this. But I was horrified and terrified of surgery because of the experience I had had before. And I was just like, I cannot do surgery. I tried physical therapy, all the things. Well, I had met my husband. We had three children. When I was 18, my mom had asked the doctor before surgery, if I was able to carry children. And of course I'm looking at her like, whatever, mom, like, why are you asking that question? Which of course makes sense. I wasn't thinking that far ahead, but I was able to carry children. I wasn't in any more pain than I already was. So that was a good news. Um, so finally, after my third, I just couldn't do it anymore. I mean, I could not walk. I was 30 at the time, 31 years old right? 32 years old at the time. And I was just like, this is no life. I have three kids. My husband travels. I have to have quote unquote, a nanny come and help me. Not because I am lazy and have three kids and don't want to take care of them. I think I got a lot of views for that, that I had help when I was, um, of my age and I worked from home, all these things. It was really because I physically could not take care of my children. I physically could not give them baths. I physically could not play with them for more than a few hours. And then not even a few hours, I would be a long stint and not have to like rest and recover. It was awful. And it, it was, it was difficult not to be able to do that and have someone else do that for me. So I ended up going to a couple of doctors. They would not touch me. They wouldn't touch me. And this was after I've had my, um, third baby. He was, had just been born and I was exploring over the summer. They would not touch me. They were like, I don't know how you're standing. I don't know how you're talking to me. My spine on my L4, which is above the level that was fused was all no bone on bone. There was zero disc left. They, it was slid to, um, a grade two to three, which means it's pretty extreme. A grade one is like minor. And that was what my first one was, was minor. It was a grade one. So I was at a grade two, grade three, and I didn't have any, um, fractures, but again, it was bone on bone. So they were super surprised that I wasn't taking anything that I had been in so much pain for so long and wasn't on any type of narcotic, uh, because when I would take it, I would take it after a plane ride or after a long car ride, it would last maybe a day or two and then it would stop working. And I did not want to continue to take it and get hooked and all those things. So I wasn't really on anything at all. And so they didn't really understand it. I don't know if they even believed me, uh, but they were just like, I can't help you. I don't, I, I don't know if I would go in there. And I think they also saw my old records and x-rays on the fact that it wasn't done right, that they didn't want to get blamed. I think that's also part of why they didn't want to. And I just kept going to doctors and doctors. And finally I found one 
I went to the practice that did my husband's knee surgery because he pulled or he tore his um, MCL during our move down to Austin. And he said, and usually when you go to a doctor and they take their x-rays, you know, the whole, you know, shebang and they come in empty handed after five minutes, it's never a good sign. So I already knew they were going to be like, no, I can't do this. And so he came in, said to me, I looked at your x-rays, same spiel that the doctors would give me, but he did say, he goes, you, I never turn down a surgery when I can go in and cut, they make their money that way. We all get it. So he was even very honest. Like, I don't ever say no to a surgery if I know that a surgery is going to help someone. However, I can't do your surgery because you need a specialist. I'm like, well, can you tell me a specialist? Because I'm tired of seeing doctors at this point. And so he gives me this doctor's name. Shout out Dr. Craig Coons. He's amazing, by the way, in Austin. And so he referred me to him. I go and make an appointment with the guy. He luckily had an opening for me went in, did the whole thing, talked to him. And he said to me, same stuff. He's like, I don't even know how you're looking at me, talking to me in full sentences, but yes, I can help you. This is what we could do. When do you want to do it? (laughs) And I said to him, I'm four months postpartum with my youngest son. My oldest is three and a half. My middle child is two. And I said to him next summer, and this is, um, August, September ish at this point, I said next summer, I I can't do it. I'm nursing. I don't want to be on all these medications. And if I have an infection, I don't want it to, um, you know, affect me being able to nurse my child. And he looked at me like, I'll, I don't, okay. Like you can get on my schedule for the summer, but I, I seriously doubt you'll make it to the summer. Uh, I don't even know how you're still standing. And I was like, well, I'm determined. And so I go home. I'm at least relieved that someone is telling me what needs to be done. Of course, my husband's like, you should go do it. You should go do it. But he didn't get to see any of um, the other surgery. So he had no idea of my history other than what I've told him. And of course, my mom is like, no, you're not getting surgery. Like that was a terrible experience. You're never like, that's no way. And I said, well, it's going to be next summer. It'll be fine. But after about a week or so, I was like so much pain. And I thought to myself, do I really want to do this surgery when I have three that are walking? I mean, this one at least will weigh there. He's four months old and he's not talking and walking. And I only have the other two and it's manageable. So maybe I should look into it. Plus my deductibles are already covered from my birth of my son. Might as well go get it done. It'll cut down the expenses. And so I called the doctor and said, Hey, um, can I nurse after I do this? Like, can I get a pump? Can I, you know, do all the things. And I gave him the whole shebang on what happened to me before. And he goes, well, no wonder that you, uh, didn't want to have surgery. I can understand why you put it off for so long. Cause that sounds like hell. And I was like, it was the worst. And he looked at me like you had every complication that could have happened. And I have to tell you that since 2004, there's been a lot of changes that have been made where I can almost guarantee you that that will not happen again. And I said, well, if you can guarantee that that won't happen, then I'm in. So we made a scheduled appointment to get the surgery done. He said I could nurse as long as I strategically did my meds. He explained to me that now you can test for staff. And so 
what, what made my freshman year of college worse was a, I couldn't play soccer. B I had this horrible back pain that I didn't know was wrong yet. Cause I hadn't done my, I hadn't gotten my x-rays done and discovered that I have this condition. And three, I got a staph infection on my face in college. I was rooming with a basketball player and she must have between her and me at the time we were still going in and out of the locker room or the training facilities because they were still doing therapy on me. I must have had some sort of scratch on my face or perhaps some sort of bacteria. It was gross. It was so gross. It was so humiliating to go to college and I had just started a job and I couldn't go because it was contagious and it could spread and it was on my face, all the things. So then I get this other staph infection, right? Like in the summer, I'm like, this is just awful. So we all know by this point that I am susceptible to staph. And so they're like, we test for it. We will swab you. Then you'll just pre-treat, which is like this, like cream up your nose and you then pre-wash now in the shower with like dial so you can like get all the bacteria off your body. So there's a whole like thing that they do now that they didn't do before. So that was very comforting. And then he said, I keep my drain in longer than most because of infections and all those things. I said, okay, well, we're going to just see. So I go to the surgery. I try to, of course, negotiate because that's me he wanted again to go through the front. And I said to him, well, that was supposed to happen the last time. Are you really going to go through? And he's like, yes, you need to go through the front. I need to fix what happened to you before. I need to go in and give you that arch back. So it'll take the pressure off of the fusion, because if you're fused and you have no arch, it's going to still put pressure on your spine. And I said, well, is there any way that we don't have to do that? Because I've had three babies, non-C-section. So of course me being vain was like, I don't want a scar on my stomach. I didn't have a C-section, so I don't want one now. Uh, he said, well, let me look at it. He looked at it. Of course he called me back five minutes later saying, I, I will buy you five more years if you let me go through the front. I'm like, you know what, whatever. Let's just, there's plastic surgery for that. So he then had to set, schedule me with another doctor, which is an exposure doctor who has to do the incision in the front to move like your main arteries and your nerves over to the side. So then they can access the spine and then seal me back up and then flip me over and do the back. So they have to then flip me over and do the whole shebang that way. And they were going to use bone bank too. So they had bone bank check. They had um, two doctors check. So they had called me to ask me what, um, brand of metal I had in my back at the time, because they needed to get the tools to take it out so they could replace it. Well, when I had my first surgery, this was before e-filing, this is before electronic records. And so of course they just took my records and put them in some warehouse somewhere and didn't log them in like they were supposed to. And so they didn't know what brand it was. So they kind of took a stab at it because they couldn't, the doctor didn't know, or they couldn't get to the records, of course, because it was over 10 years and it was in a warehouse. So he didn't have the tools. So according to the doctor, as I'm laying on the table, they had to saw off the heads with basically like a saw, like a wet saw or whatever they would use, back them out and then he had to go put some new stuff in. Well, the thing is, is my spine is very loose. 
apparently it's very lubricated. And so it would not hold still for him. So my four hour surgery turned into a six and a half hour surgery. And I always, always, always do my surgeries first thing in the morning. I want you fresh. I want you ready. I don't want you tired from maybe a surgery like this one. Um, so my husband's like, well, the doctor said it was going to be four hours. And I told him my last surgery was six. So they're doing a little bit more this time. I have a feeling it will be. So when they told me it was about six and a half hour procedure, I was not surprised when I woke up, but my husband, of course, four hours goes by five hours goes by. He's getting a little worried. So when he had come out of the surgery, he looked exhausted. And he said to my husband, he did not say this to me. He said it to my husband. I confronted him later about it. Uh, but the doctor said that was the hardest surgery he has ever had. <laughs> I was like, of course, of course it is. So basically he had to like sit on top of me and get my spine and had to get extra hands. So he even said, when I woke up, like I was there, I had to wrestle with it a little bit. You might be a little bit more sore than you typically are, but everything's in place. And you know what, when I woke up from that surgery, I still remember when I woke up from recovery, you're all, you know, still dazed. I remember saying to him, I feel better. I'm just really sore. And he's like, of course you would say sore. I, I mean, cause I could tell that he instantly fixed what was wrong internally. And I was just sore from incision and from him wrestling and rocking me around. And so I was in the hospital for three days. I was up and walking the next day. I didn't have a staph infection. I was sore in my stomach and swollen there, which that hurt the most. He was able to clean up my scar on my back because it was really thick from the um, infection before because they just couldn't see well enough to like sew me back up in a straight line. It looked awful. Now I know no one really cares, but for me, it was just like really ugly and really just, it reminded me of a really dark time because of all the complications that I had had. And so I was really grateful that he was able to clean it up and he did a really nice job stitching the front. And I was instantly better. I got to go home in three days. I was able to nurse and pump. It was tricky that I scheduled this at four months when there's a four month sleep regression in infants, but Hey, it is what it is. My husband had to get up in the middle of the night and give them to me and nurse and do my meds and all the things that was very, very difficult. It was a very hard road because you have three children before I was, a, I was a child at this point. Um, I had my Walker, which of course my kids loved. I had my little grabber. I had like a little thing to, to pick up toys. Cause if you know me, I cannot sit and look at mess. And so I had all these little gadgets and gizmos. And then I had this brace. I didn't have to wear a brace the first time. I thought that was really odd. So I had a soft brace and then I had this hard brace. That was kind of a nightmare because they had to carve out the front of the brace because it was putting too much pressure on the incision. But I wore the back brace. I felt like a football player at that point. And, but the recovery compared to where it was before was like, a walk in the park. And I'm so grateful for that because basically spondylolisthesis or this genetic condition that I have, my mom has a herniation disc issue. And so I thought maybe that was what it was from, but more than likely I was born with this condition. I just never exacerbated myself enough to discover it until the stress fractures happened. 
and I don't get any more shooting pain. I have some bad arthritis sometimes, but that's scar tissue from having it open. And I'm also a very petite person. If you know me, I am five foot one, about 120 pounds. And those screws and rods are not small. They are very large. And so my muscle is constantly getting inflamed because of just the way it hits sometimes. So it is what it is, but compared to where I was before, I will take it hundred percent. I know I'm going to probably have another surgery in about 15 to 20 years. However, I've been very, I was able to work out again. I was able to run. I'm, I'm now not a very big advocate in running just because it's really bad on your joints and running a mile and walking a mile will burn the same amount of calories as long as it just depends on how long you have. If you have 10 minutes to run a mile or an hour to walk one really. So do yourself a favor and walk if you can, uh, or brisk, but it's really bad on your joints, but I was able to run. If I wanted to run, I was able to work out. I can't do deadlifts and I can't load my spine, but that's just more of a safety problem to extend the lifetime of this surgery. So I'm now fused from my L4, my L5 and my S1. So there's five lumbar vertebrae. So I have three left before you get into the thoracic, which is the T, the T levels, which there's T1 to T7, I believe. And then you've got cervical spine, which is the C, which is in your neck. So hopefully he bought me time. Hopefully I don't have to have another one. However, it is going to be about wear and tear, uh, core strength on basically you shift all of your, um, point of flexion to above the fusion. So it will wear, which is okay. Um, but until then I'm really good. I can play with my kids. I don't need to have help daily anymore. Um, some days are better than others. Cold weather really affects me. Uh, pressure changes affect me, but for the most part, I can pretty much go on a trip and get up the next day and be okay. It's pretty remarkable. And back pain is awful. I mean, I have to say when the arthritis does kick in, it really is, um, it, it's hard, but it is what it is, right? I'll take it. Funny story though, with this is that when the exposure doctor told me that there's a side effect potential to going in through the front, of course, I'm like, what is it? He said, sometimes it's like a 2% chance that you could have this. It's called, I think it's called corner syndrome. Um, where half of your body could go hot and half of it will stay the same. And I was like, that's bizarre. He says, typically if it does, it's temporary and it'll go away. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, it's 2% chance. Most likely it won't happen. So of course I'm like, yep, I'm going to just wait for the day it happens because that's usually how it goes. And of course, one day I'm sitting on the couch, I'm nursing the baby. And all of a sudden my right leg just starts to go like on fire, not like painful, but just like hot like so hot. And I wasn't on a heating pad and I'm like, Whoa. And my left side, and you can physically touch like the hot and the cold, like you can totally feel it too. It was bizarre. And it was only from the waist down. I, I now learned that you could get it from the top down and you can have like a distinct line in your body that you can see the difference, but I'm very lucky. I haven't had that. And it was so weird. And when it would happen, it was really kind of uncomfortable. It lasts, I don't know, 10 to 20 minutes sometimes and then go away which I know is very mild compared to some now, but it's funny because about two years after my surgery, 
I wasn't feeling it anymore. So I was like, oh, it, it's temporary. It went away. Well, I went to go get that cool color changing nail polish that um, you can get that changes like it gets bright when it's cold and then it's like another color when it's warm, right? Or vice versa. And we were going to um, on vacation and I went to go see a friend after I got my pedicure done and she looks down at me and she looks at my feet and I wasn't noticing and she goes, did you forget something? And I asked her, what do you mean? What? She's like, well, your feet. It's like, what about, I just got my pedicure done. Like you like the color. It was like a Sprite magenta pink thing color. And she goes, well, I think you forgot a foot. I looked down one foot is bright pink and one foot is clear. And I was like, oh, well, I have color changing nail polish. And it seems that my right leg is a bit warm at the moment and my left leg is perfectly fine and it was still happening. I just didn't feel it. So it was visual evidence that it was still occurring in my body. And I thought it was super funny. And of course, 20 minutes later, we were done with our lunch. My feet were the same color. Um, so funny story. So if you have that, um, reaction, it's interesting. Hopefully it's temporary for you. Um, so I know a lot of you kind of wanted to know like the tail. Um, I gave you a brief, like deep dive into the details. I mean, I had drop foot when I was, um, on my first surgery, I had drop foot where I couldn't put my foot all the way up. So I would drag it. And so I would fall and I had to take my phone with me because I fell outside once taking just some air and I couldn't get back up, <laughs> you know, so I'm very fortunate. The scar looks super good on my, on the front. Um, I do say some days though, that scar does hurt to a point where I feel like sometimes it's opened back up, but I think that's just the nerves, but if you need a good surgeon, Dr. Coons is the man. I actually referred someone over to him. He turned him down and then he went back for again and they ended up just having a surgery. And he said that his recovery is taking a little bit longer because of his condition, but overall, like he's much better. So ever need a really good surgeon, like fly near and far for one. Uh, I'm very grateful for him. And he released me last fall. It was three year mark. He was very happy with what I was doing. And he even said, I didn't have to come see him anymore unless I felt like I needed to. And I didn't really know what to do. I was like, are you breaking up with me? Like, I can't come to see you anymore. He's like, well, you don't need to, I mean, you could, but you could bill for it. And I didn't really know what to do because I had been living such a healthy lifestyle and taking really good care of myself and making sure that I did have the help with a nanny or a sitter while my husband traveled and not like overdoing it because I do try to do all the things, but I do recognize like, no, I can't do that because I want to extend the lifespan of my spinal health. And so basically he's like, you don't have to come see me anymore. And I didn't really know what to do. So, um, I went and saw him right before that. Cause I was having some pain. And of course, when you go through painful situations like that, and then you get like a brief tweak or twinge, you get nervous, like, Oh no, is it back? Because when you're in so much pain and then you experience no pain or a significant decrease, it's almost, and I don't have PTSD of any sort to where some experience it, but I, can only compare it to that for, um, example sake, when you are in so much pain and you go to no pain, 
and then you experience pain that's similar to what you had before, it puts you in a place. It puts you in a place of, oh my gosh, is this happening? Is this temporary? You start rattling your brain. Did I do something wrong? Did I bend something? Did my kid jump on me funny? You know, is this the end of my pain-free streak? And now I got to go back and go down this journey again. You go through this entire mental process. It's awful. And luckily it hasn't happened, but I did have an experience that way right before he did release me. And it was all was, was it's called kissing spine. My spinous processes, uh, which are basically, if you're looking at an x-ray, not the front, like the inside of like the flat part of your spine, where like the flat part of your um, vertebrae, but like the pointy at the end, if you arch, it'll kiss. And again, he said, your age, your size, you shouldn't be experiencing this. So we're not really sure why this is happening to you, especially with your range of motion because you're fused, but it's happening to you. So of course, again, something very rare. I'm like, well, of course. And he's like, of course it would be you, of course. And he knows I'm that patient of his. He knows that I'm that patient that's going to be his most difficult one that's going to sprout up things and challenge his abilities because that's just the way my body works. But he did say, he's like, this is a good thing for you because you are so extreme. This will be a nice reminder where if you feel it, you will get yourself to stop. Don't arch that fat. Like, don't do that. It'll be like a, like a nice little reminder for you. So he turned it into a positive, uh, which was funny. But when he released me, it was like a sense of freedom. That crutch was no longer there, but I do know I could always call him if I needed to. Uh, but a lot of you wanted to know about my spinal surgery. A lot of you didn't know that either. I think people see me posting my workouts, posting me being fit, not knowing the background. And so being someone that was active their whole life, then forced to stop forced into retirement of a sport that I absolutely loved. And I was really good at, and then having to find something to fill that because I ended up working four jobs and college instead to fill my time. I just couldn't sit still. Um, but going from that to no activity, no working out, no like in pain and basically like back of a 40 year old at 18, but not like a healthy back, um, physically being of that age, it was very hard for me to live in my twenties. Um, being youthful, doing things on vacations I couldn't do. It was very mentally hard. And people see me now and doing all the things I'm doing because I worked very hard to get to where I need to be. I took the precautions that I needed to take. I made the decisions that I couldn't do X, Y, Z because of it. And I know my boundaries. I know my limits. I still give my kids back, you know, piggyback rides, but to a point they know that they're not supposed to jump on me and surprise me and they can't hang on me. They have to give me some notice (laughs) or a warning so it doesn't throw me out or hurt me. Um, But it's just, I guess, when you guys hear that I've had all these spinal problems and I was bedridden most of my 20s and early 30s, I, you just never judge a book by their cover. Life was never easy for me, especially at that time for me, mentally, physically. Um, So just remember that you're seeing what people want you to see and you don't have all of the details. And so I hope I can play soccer again one day. I did play intramurals a little bit after in college, after my first one, 
Um, it was basically the geriatric crew because it was all of the injured soccer players that got injured either while playing there or maybe they um, like there was a bunch of my former quote unquote teammates from my college team that ACL surgery or bad shoulder or head injury. Someone kept having head injuries and couldn't play anymore. So we all made up those teams. So we would just rule the field, of course, but it was very unfair because we, you know, even at our worst, we were at our best. It was kind of funny, but it was a lot of fun um, to at least have a championship of intramural sports under our belt since we couldn't play uh, collegiate sports. And we were all from different states. None of us were from Florida. So it was a little bit more of like a, well, at least it's paying off. Uh, but just remember that not everyone's journey is the same and people work very hard to get to where they are and keep there. And so, uh, if you have spinal issues or you have any type of pain to make sure that you're super duper careful on who you go to, that's all I can stress because that doctor who said to me, I never really turn down ever a surgery. It's money in my pocket. That's how I make my money. He was very honest with me and he did turn me down. So that tells me that yes, he will do a surgery if he can perform it. He gets paid for it. He's not shy about talking about it, but he didn't take me on just to take me on as a patient to get paid. He had told me that he couldn't help me and he would do me more harm than good and referred me to someone that could do it. So just to be really, really mindful of who you're seeing, look them up online, get second and third and fourth opinions, especially if you're going under the knife. The person that I referred to my doctor who just had the surgery, he went to three other doctors. They wanted to do three different types of things. He even went to my doctor and he said, no, I, I don't think surgery will help you. And then after a little while, he went back and they reevaluated him and he was. And again, my doctor turned him down. He could have easily said, yes, I'll fix it, but he didn't feel right. So that makes a good doctor. So just to be really, really weary of where you're going. Um, I have questions that are neuro versus orthopedic. Orthopedic are bones. Neuro is more nerves. You know, the neurosurgeon, surgeon, the uh, exposure doctor that I called uh, that did the front of my incision from the front of me on my stomach. That was a neurosurgeon because he needed to know where the nerves go and make sure that he didn't sever my artery and kill me. And the other one, and he as an orthopedic specialist, Dr. Coons is. So I don't think it really matters on the title as long as they have the experience and they're seasoned and the training. And you just really want to be careful with that. Uh, it just depends on who you ask. There's some that are like, just go do neuro. I've seen neurosurgeons. They will do the same thing. It just, um, be careful on who you talk to and do your due diligence and advocate for yourself because I had a doctor within the stint of the 13 years that I was looking for one. He, um, luckily I, was friends with a lot of the athletes from college because that was my, my group of peeps. And this guy, uh, that was on the baseball team, his dad was a very well-known orthopedic surgeon in Tampa. I went to go see him, of course, to get a second opinion. He also recommended surgery, but he was like, you don't need to get it right now. If you can manage your pain. I said, well, I went to this other doctor at this other, before I had seen this guy and he prescribed me this medication. 
he asked me what it was. I brought it with me. It was Cadian, K-A-D-I-A-N. Cadian now, and I know this, is a pill form of morphine. One, you should never get prescribed that. Like, ever. <laughs> if Vicodin or like a hydrocodone can't help you, then I, you know, I don't know if morphine would really be the, the thing. So I guess that's what Cadian is. Well, when I took Cadian for the first time, I literally threw it up two minutes later, like instantly almost. I found out that I was allergic to morphine actually, because I'm allergic to Cadian, pill form of morphine. So now like when I get morphine for like my birth experiences and things, it was Demerol. So I, at least I know that I'm allergic to morphine. And also during my back surgery, the first time, um, they did the, the morphine drip to help with the pain. And I was so sick in the hospital as well during my first surgery. This is prior to when I got sick for the staph infection. So they had to switch the meds. So I did not know that Cadian was morphine or I would not have obviously taken it because I would have known that I was sick and allergic, but, um, the doctor took the pills from me, said, can I have them? I said, yeah, I'm not going to take them. He said, I'm going to report it. If not, you should just go flush these down the toilet. Uh, and he reported the doctor that prescribed me the Cadian because he's like, Hey, this is extremely, extremely addicting. You should not have given this to you. You are no way, shape or form. If you are allergic to morphine, you should not be taking this, which is why you got sick. And he reported the guy to the board. So what I would not have known is if I didn't go to this doctor, I knew that the, the medicine made me sick and I wasn't taking it, but just go with your instincts. I knew something was wrong and you go and advocate for yourself. And if a doctor is willing to go and report a fellow doctor, then he's all right in my book. So just be careful on what you are told and who you're going to go see is all I can say. And if you have back problems or you have questions or need advice, I'm happy to give you advice off of my experiences. No way am I a doctor, but if you guys have questions, I'm happy to share any kind of journey or any more details that I didn't go into in here. So I hope you enjoyed this little tale of disaster. <laughs> but a little more about me and my spinal journey. So thank you for listening. I hope to hear from you. Please, um, if you do need a specialist, reach out. I'm happy to try and find a referral. And uh, if you need some core exercises, I'm happy to give you some of those as well. So until next time, thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.